everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Houtink, back with my co-host, Christian Conway and Jamie Bacon. My apologies, my apologies to Florence and the mach- Machine. The dog days are not over. <laughs> Walk is Ted Uncle anyway. <laughs> you mean dog years. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, let's at least talk about something a little bit more positive to start. U.S. Women National Team are winning. Yeah, I, I think... You know, this is a very interesting kind of set of friendlies because uh, of the W championships that begins, I believe, on the fifth. Um, and and they did have to get a roster together in order to ensure that they, um, you know, the, uh, the, these two friendlies were preparation much more than necessarily, um, you know, friendlies in the sense that like, oh, we're just we're we're just playing. It was it was it was clearly uh, a preparation and kind of Vlatko trying to figure out what he has and the group that he's he's trying to form. It's a very young group, which I think was really uh, exciting. I, I mean, on a personal note, I was very happy to see Taylor Korniak uh, in that first game score. Um, Tay-tay! We'll, we'll probably dedicate the Taylor Korniak love hour uh, tomorrow over on Surf Break if you, would, uh, if you would like to join us. But I think, you know, this, was a, this is a roster that I think is Black Coast kind of ideal roster where he, he blends the experience of the likes of O'Hara, Sauerbrunn, you know, uh, Rose Lavelle, you know, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, and then brings in these very precocious youngsters like a Trinity Rodman, like an Ashley Hatch, even though she's 27, but youngster in the sense of her time with the national team. I mean, Alana Cook, uh, Naomi Girma, who, again, if you would like to join us on surf break tomorrow, we will wax lyrical about that as well. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's working in a way that I don't think I expected where, I was really concerned when this project began that he was going to go too young, too fast. And I think that balance has, it took him a while to find that balance is what I'll say. And again, he's been dealing with injuries. Katarina Macario should be part of this group tore ACL and Williams should be part of this group. Unfortunately also suffering from an ACL tear as well. I think the balance is here. They're going to qualify easily. I think we can all be in agreement on that, but I think what we saw in those games against Columbia was maybe him trying a couple of little things out that are going to serve this group well, because they do not have a lot of time to prepare for the world cup. Cause that's, that's coming very fast. I think the one thing that really bodes well for this team is that some of the, the younger players, you can definitely tell the inexperience and um, the freshness, but then you have players like Irma and players like Sophia Smith, who both look like they've been playing in the NWSL for 10 years, not, you know, one in two years, respectively, like the, the, both of those girls carry themselves as uh, true veterans of the game. And I think that that's going to be really important in the years going forward, because they're going to be, once this older class retires, they're going to be, you know, the future leaders of this team. Um, Germa is like, you know, uh, holding it down on the back line and Sophia Smith up front. It's, it's going to be great. I mean, watching Sophia Smith in person, it, she impresses so much. And 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 having watched Naomi Girman, and, and luckily I'll be able to uh, to, to to watch the Diego Wave again this weekend. She, I, I, I keep mentioning, and I, I like the point that you make that a lot of these players look like they've been there before, and I think that's a very important thing because I think you know as we move forward in terms of the growth of the women's game here in this country, we are going to get more players where they come out of you know, college systems and they, they're just ready to step into a defense. I think, you know, Naomi Girma is the center back of the future. And I, and I, I liked kind of seeing her, uh, what was it on Tuesday night, 
yeah, I think that was that was a that was a big deal because I think you know Vlatko looks at her and maybe Emily Fox as like these very big stalwarts in the back line moving forward. Vlatko was handed a very difficult job. I think we can agree on that, which is he's got this generation of players that, and when we talked about this a little bit when they lost in the Olympics, Vlatko's been handed a job that is incredibly complex in the sense that there's this generation of players that have so much social, political, but also soccer import to fans of this team. I mean, we talk about the Alex Morgans, the Megan Rapinos, you know, you can go down the line, Carly Lloyd, even though, you know, she retired last year, but you also talk about, you know, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, you know, the names go on and on and on. We could be here for hours naming great names, but, and every national team faces this. This is a, the natural flow of how soccer generations work. He's got to move on from them. And he's got to basically say, Hey, look, I still respect what they have, but I've got to get younger because I have to build the next generation, the next Alex Morgan, the next Carly Lloyd, the next, you know, whoever you, you want to plug into that equation. And I think this roster does a very good job of that because there are players on this roster like Becky, like Alex, like Megan that are so incredibly experienced that pull out the heartstrings because we love them because we grew up watching them because they've accomplished so much. But then there's players like a Taylor Korniak, like a Naomi Girma, you know, the, my bias showing a little bit there. Um, but like a Trinity Rodman, like an Ashley Hatch, that like, this is what's coming next. And I think that's the, I think the W championship is a very fascinating thing because, you know, the United States should roll to the World Cup and the Olympics. I think I, if they do not, it's going to be a scandal of epic proportions. I mean, it's going to make what happened in 2017 in Trinidad look like a little fracas. Like, but I think it's really fascinating to see this next generation be mixed with the older experienced generation and seeing that synergy work out. And I think, you know, a testament to Vlatko um, in this roster is that you, you see that he's not buying into like that popularity contest, right? He said, even before Kristen press had the ACL injury, she wasn't on his roster. And I know, you know, the Woso world went crazy over that because she's, one of the most popular U.S. players, but he just didn't fit what she didn't fit what he wanted to see in this time. And I respect him a lot for like not just calling up players based on their name and calling up players based on what's going to fit the system that he wants to play and and wants to, uh, you know, go with uh, going forward. I want to touch on Emily Fox because I was so impressed with Fox that entire game. Uh, was it Tuesday night? It's Tuesday night, yes. Tuesday. I mean, honestly, I was like, wow, she, this girl's giving Crystal Dunn a run for her money when Dunn comes back from, from maternity leave. Like, she was playing one hell of a game out there. Well, I think that actually, you know, and, and I know we're, we're, we want to move on to the Galaxy very quickly, but I think Fox being that good actually really helps the team because I don't think Crystal Dunn's long-term kind of future with the national team, however long it may be at this point in her career, I don't think it's in defense anymore. I think that was, she was drafted into that position as kind of, I don't know, a stopgap maneuver, but almost a, we know we can play a three, five, two, if we need to. And therefore we can give up the defensive solidity on that side of the formation, because we just know that we have enough coverage there and we need that attacking, you know, thrust through that wing. I think with Fox there, it allows Dunn to move and be a little bit more attacking. And I think that actually really helps the national team moving forward in terms of the balance of everything. I, I, I do. I want to, I, I want to make one final point. Um, 
about Vlatko and the point you made about how he said, you know, press is not in my plans. Keith is not in my plans currently. I think what he's done is he's taken, there was this sense for the longest time that the U.S. women's national team was a meritocracy that, you know, or not a meritocracy, excuse me, um, counterpointing my point, that it was you, it was right by fiat that you, if you had a certain cachet and you had a certain name, regardless of how you played at the club level, you were called into the national team. And I think Vlatko has basically come out and said, and he's physically said this, but also I think it's really instilled this energy into a lot of the players. And I point to Megan Rapino as one of them. If you're not playing for your club, you're not playing for me. And I think that is really good because it instills this, this hunger. Um, and I, I think that that can only make this team better. I mean, I, I watched Pino and, and, and Lavelle uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, the rain came down to San Diego and you could tell there was a hunger that may have not been there before. And I think that can only make the national team better. It's very much a nothing is given, everything is earned kind of team now. And I really, really like that. Exactly. And now I think, Michelle, you're going to take us to Galaxy Land. I'm taking you to Galaxy Land. Um, don't forget to tune in to the U.S. Women's National Team Games on Paramount+. Plus. Get a friend's account, share it, get it. Um, please watch. Uh, they're, they're actually, their next game is on the 4th of July. And I don't remember what time, but... 4 p.m. Look it up and, uh, you know... Wherever you're having your celebration, go ahead and watch the U.S. Women's National Team. Bra- so, Broth L- soccer. <laughs> yes, LA Galaxy lose two to three and to Minnesota, and you know the scoreline does not tell the story of that game. Uh, yes, Ted Uncle, we're going explicit. Um, fucked us over, but the Galaxy fucked themselves over. More than anybody, um, as always, you know, sitting up in section 235, looking down and just seeing how much space the Galaxy are giving away um, for Minnesota to score. But also the Galaxy are literally, their passing is so boring and so bad. It is uh, reminiscent of Escalotos coaching. Um, You know, we'll go into whether or not you know, how much you, you blame Vanny for all of this. I blame the players right now. Um, I, they literally look like they don't know what to do with the ball. And when they pass it, there's literally nobody in the box. I watched that ball drop into empty space. It was the most frustrating thing. Everybody around me, like you have to understand section 235 is not a supporter section. I always try to cheer and try to get people to join in. It hasn't been that way lately. We're right above riot squad. So, you know, at least you can hear them. You're within earshot of ACB. Um, but what is not, um, sorry, Christian's like doing sign language and I unfortunately never learned it, (laughs) but yeah. So, what what really just was frustrating is just you can just hear how frustrated all the fans were too like i this was the most vocal that i've ever heard fans around me like literally play it in the middle don't think about it just shoot like you're just you're you're up there coaching the team and you're just like i don't even think everyone can hear me right now um maybe 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 if vanny had made uh, the subs 10 minutes in, maybe if he had started Jovalich, maybe the Galaxy could have pulled out a draw. But to be honest with you, even as a Galaxy fan, they did not deserve the win last night. They don't. When LAFC is right up the 110, winning 3-1, to one, 
you know, and, and you've got a, a, an El Trafico coming. Um, you've got Montreal beats Seattle, and that's who we're playing on the 4th of July. You're staring down the barrel of, oh, my God, this team is might not even make playoffs. So let me – I guess we, we tend to be a little bit positive here, and I will say that second-half performance was – it was one of the better performances they've put, they've turned in this season, considering they were down a man. Um, and, and I, I will give Efrain credit in that second half. He, he changed everything in terms of dripping inside to that, uh, into the center to kind of create this double pivot 10, that then they could hit space in losing Gabral did hurt them a lot in that second half. They lost a little bit of incisiveness that I thought in that outside in running made a, a bit of a difference because it helps pull the load off Chicharito. What I would say is this, I think they, that first half cannot happen. It just can't happen. And I know, and, and, and Vanny alluded to this in his comments after the game where he said the red card shocked us a bit. I mean, no one was aware that the red card was, was issued. I was, the, uh, you know, I was watching on TV. You guys were at the stadium. And even, you know, you guys were texting me saying, what is going on? Yeah, you know, I found it, out on Twitter, which thank you everybody on Twitter. Yeah, it, it was like, it, it was it was the oddest situation. And I'm, I'm going to go in on Ted Uncle at some point in this. I, I need to warm up to it. But I, I just you have to react to game states as they're given to you, right? Like you can't just sit there and say, you know, okay, our entire game plan's dead because we had a player sent off unjustly. I, the, the standard of refereeing, we'll get to. <laughs> but in that second half, they were just a little bit more incisive. They were a little bit smarter, pulling a Delgado a little bit deeper, letting Aguirre roam a little bit more. And that allowed Efrain to pull inside and be a little bit more incisive in terms of driving the ball. Um, which I don't think Victor was doing that particularly good of a job of in the first half. And it looks like what they wanted to do was basically get a midfielder on the ball, drive through the center of the field, and then split the outside backs and then go from there in space and then have Chicharito at the bottom of every cross that comes in. They didn't do that well in the first half. Now, again, they concede probably one of the better goals you'll see this season in the ninth minute. Pick yourself up, dust yourself up, keep going, which they did. Then that red card happens and it happens so fast. These two kind of microcosms that I think the galaxy played kind of in a little bit of shock in that, uh, that first half, they got in at halftime, Vinny grabbed them by the collar said, basically, this is not good enough. And you saw the response. I mean, the, the, the numbers supported. I mean, we're talking about a team that was down a man with an XG of 2.7. Like when does that happen? It doesn't happen ever. Like, so I, I, I think the response was good. That being said, that first half just can't happen. It just cannot happen. Yeah, I mean, I was standing there. I was, I had debated for a long time whether to even show up to the stadium. I was so tired and I got there and I was like, look, I don't trust my team anymore. And if this is bad by halftime, I'm going home. And as you guys know, in the text conversation and Michelle, I saw you at halftime, it was very bad. And I got in my car and I listened to the, the stream the rest of the way home, but I love this club. I love being part of LA Riot Squad. I love everything about it. I love the family that we've built. But some nights, it's just really hard to sit there and and endure what I know couldn't be better because we've seen it. We saw them put two back-to-back beautiful games together against LAFC and Austin and then come back from break and act like they've never played soccer before. I think part of that is rust. I, 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 I it, this oddly kind of, I, I looked at when the California Classico got canceled. I thought to myself, cool, they've got six days to basically put the rust out of what happened against Sacramento. 
train work and everything's going to be hunky dory once they get on to what was it Wednesday night yesterday against Minnesota. I'm halfway through this game. I kind of reconsidered my opinion on that. And I said, man, they really should have played San Jose this weekend. It would have done so much good for them that last weekend to have played another competitive game. Because I think to Michelle, to your point, the passing networks and the way that they pass in that first half. I mean, again, it looks like a team that had just come back from international break, which theoretically they just kind of had, but the, in that first half, and, and, and that's the half I'm focusing on. I think in the second half, they played incredibly well. They finally figured out how to move the ball forward, how to be incisive, how to drive forward, which is, I mean, Minnesota, we know what they are. They're a low block four, four, two team that is going to make it very difficult for you to operate through the center of midfield. That basically argues to you beat us on the dribble. Well, they didn't really do that in the first half. And then they would get into these moments where, you know, be cycled out to Araujo. Araujo is, picks up his head and he's got no one to pass to because the midfield isn't dropping deep. Kobe made a very good point on the broadcast, I think, where he said when Williams and Depew were getting the ball, they're standing like right next to each other. And then there's miles of space up next into the midfield line. And so what do they have to do? Well, of course, they've just got to hit it, you know, hit a, a hit and hope ball. And then it gets eaten by the Minnesota midfield rather than necessarily having Delgado or having um, Aguirre who, wow, that was a brutal game, um, dropping into that space in order for you to kind of create that link where it's like center back, midfielder, attacking midfielder, forward. Like they never created that line. And I think that really hurt them in that first half. Now, again, the red card changes a little bit of your theory. You know, you go a little bit more defensive, you tuck everyone in. Raheem pushes a little higher because he basically operates as Kevin Cabral, just replacement, sort of. Didn't really do a great job of that. Um, although the run that he had in that first half where he like, what, skinned six defenders was brilliantly good. I, I just think it looks so disjointed and it, and it looked like they were letting the, and, and, and I've, I've said this a lot about the galaxy proactivity is something I don't think the galaxy do particularly well, especially this year. Um, but I think they just let the game happen to them at so many phases in that first half that it was no question that Minnesota was going to score three, but when they start taking the initiative in that second half, all of a sudden everything changes. And that's kind of where I'm like, and, and, and Vanny has alluded to this. He's talked about intensity, and that's a word that he's used a lot over the past week and a half. They need to get that intensity over 90 minutes. How they get there, that's another question, but they need that intensity. Yeah, um, you know what you're saying about, well, everything. Um, <laughs> so, so I apologize. I'm visiting my parents, and I can just hear them with the dogs, and it's, it's it's distracting. Um, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is I stayed to boo the team. That's why I stayed till the end. Okay. <laughs> because, um, they need, they need to hear. I, it's not like, I know that they know, but when you're still seeing Vanny Pat guys and like high five and like people are smiling, no, you shouldn't be like, I, like, I need to see that somebody's being held accountable, that somebody cares that we just lost two to three at home. I, I'm like, nobody, nobody should be smiling. I don't, I don't care <laughs> like what, what the reason is. And that's just really frustrating to me because that's what feels like. It just feels like nobody's, um, you know, what's going to happen after this now? I'm not a Vanny out because we've talked about this last episode and um, off air what had come up is that part of the reason that Efrain isn't as good as he could have been is because maybe he's played under five different coaches and that's why. Um, 
you know, Costa came back and it's like, well, thanks for no reason. He elbowed somebody and now he's out again. So, you know, you just have to really question the players' decisions. I, all the, you know, all the love to me, to Grant Sear, to Edwards, to Jovalich, like they're out there, they're hustling, they're trying. And I'm not saying other guys aren't, but I'm saying, yeah, I just don't know if it's like this lack of communication. It just looks like, it just looks like, like tell the other, tell the other teammate what you're doing. I don't know. Like you should be passing to, to guys in white jerseys, not to Minnesota. It was, it, they kept giving the ball away and we're actually lucky that Minnesota didn't get another one. Um, you know, Minnesota pulled us apart, like dice us apart, like tomatoes. Well, don't worry because in about like 24 hours or so, we're going to have another, uh, chicharito motivational we know we're not doing enough uh posts on twitter and facebook instagram whatever and it's gonna mean nothing it's i love chicha i love him to death and i know he's passionate but post after post after post every single week when this is still happening it's just falling on deaf ears now it means nothing to me yeah i agree i think one thing that's fascinating kind of and and I, I, I turned on my camera because I wanted Jamie and Michelle to kind of see the the inner workings of my little cocoon that I, whenever we're recording is I, I'm looking and it's amazing. I'm looking at the the, uh, the player positioning and I mean the the stacking that's in the center of midfield. I mean it's literally a it looks like you know like the little um, science diagrams of like the little atom that you always saw and it was like the nucleus and the you know it was like all clumped together. That's the center of the galaxy midfield. They just had no width whatsoever. And then Minnesota's got you know, three players stacked on the right-hand side and just basically opening that side up and then just opening up like a coconut, basically, and getting all, you know, like it was, it, they let Minnesota Calvin, this is ex- the exact same game plan that Sacramento used against the Galaxy is exactly what happened when Minnesota came to town last night. They cowed the Galaxy centrally to make it impossible for them to use what they have, which is their width, which is what makes them so good. I mean, you talk about Grants here, who was, you know, in the moments he could be were brilliant, was brilliant. Raheem Edwards. And they basically just clogged up that midfield and basically said, okay, cool. We're going to kill all your distribution. And you look at the way that Minnesota sets up here. I mean, wherever Aguirre was, they had a defensive midfielder on him at all times. And so what happens? Aguirre as the deepest line midfielder, he can't come back in because he's trying rainbows and Rabonas and stuff that he shouldn't have been. <laughs> um, all I'm going to say is don't try to backhill it in the box, my bud. Uh, especially he's when you're a kid. he's a kid he's he he'll figure that out mm. i'm the only one who's dropped f-bombs so far come on you guys can't uh, do this to me <laughs> michelle i opened with it <laughs> okay <laughs> and, I, and i'll close with it um who the fuck is ted uncle anyway but but he can't like the, the the awareness of understanding that your shape is getting condensed like that i partially that falls on benny to maybe make a couple of substitutions in order to open that space out a little bit wider I would have personally brought in a third center back and then pushed the outside backs up top, which kind of happened in the second half, but it was like this very half-hearted attempt at that. Um, but if you understand that you're being compressed centrally, then you've got to start pinging wide because you understand that the wingbacks are coming in like this. You, you have space. It's just a question of working on your distribution. And Aguirre just, I mean, it's against Sacramento and against, uh, against Minnesota just did not have the awareness to understand that okay, hey, I need to start getting wider and wider and wider. Because if you're going to put someone on your on your lowest lying midfielder as your distributor, then he's going to start cheating out a little bit so that you can start pulling that shape apart just that little bit. And it just wasn't happening. And, and, and I give Bartolgado credit because I think he had a very good game. 
in spite of everything that was occurring. I mean, yeah, he messed up too, though. Yeah, they all did. I mean, it's not, you know, like I'm trying to find kind of these these little moments in a game where I agree with you, Jamie, that this was one of those nights where I'm, I, I was thinking about driving up and I'm very glad I did it because it was, it was tough to watch. I mean, it was, I, it, I watched it at my friend's brewery and the facial journey I went on, um, he asked me like, are you okay? I said, no, not really. Um, but I think to, there are, again, we come to this point about, and I've, I've made this like five times this season. I, I'm, I'm frustrated that I have to keep making it. The galaxy vacillate wildly, right? You know, like, I mean, they vacillate wildly between being tactically savvy. I mean, the way that they handle LAFC is actually very impressive being, you know, aggressive and on the front foot. They can do that. That second half proved it. But then they turn in a performance like that first half. It's consistency is the word that I'm looking for here. I think this season is just, can they turn in a 90 minute performance? And yeah, game states will shift. Like you'll be on the back foot for a little bit. That's the reality of the sport we love. But how do you manage those moments? And in that first half, they did not manage those moments at all. I mean, they, they just, they don't know how to manage those moments where, okay, everything's tilting away from us a little bit. How do we handle this? It's just, they need stability. And that's why I think, Vanny said, you know, they're going for a center defensive midfielder. They just need someone to get on the ball and say, okay, you know, like everyone breathe, everyone chill out because they play at 110 miles per hour every game. And it's like, how do you control that vacillation? And that's what we saw last night. I mean, they don't know how to do that. They were definitely lacking that stylistic style. <laughs> oh yeah, they were. Uh, and I worry about them facing to Minnesota uh, I'm not Minnesota. Well, yes. Um, Montreal, excuse me. Uh, on the 4th of July, I have, especially now that Montreal beat Seattle, I'm, I have even less faith in the galaxy and I'm very, you know, grateful always for Christian's, um, optimism on this pod. I know that this is what, this is what we need. This is what the fans need. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, but if, from what I saw last night and yes, the galaxy always step it up against LAFC, um, you know, we're hoping, I think that, um, Bale will get here and, uh, Shalani will be here for them and it, and for whatever reason, the, the MLS will be difficult and they'll just like, it won't work out for them. And, um, the galaxy can get out of the bank with a draw, but I'm super, 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 I mean, Bale look, it's games. Come on. on. On it's the, not about, it's not, a, look, really, I know we all do predictions on this show. No, really quick. It's not a, I, I, hear, I hear what you want to say. I just want to finish my point. I just, I'm really thinking that we're going to get clobbered at the bank. That's what's, that's what I'm seeing. Really quickly. I was, I, what I, I have serious XM. So I was driving uh, to go watch this game and I, I was listening to the LFC radio feed and Gareth Bale delivered a message. And I, I want to say it was jo John Thornton, who was the, the GM. And he said, Oh, we expect the Earth Bale to be a professional and play every week for us. I was like, "Have you not? Do you do you guys know who you're signing? Like, no, he's not. He's literally coming here to go join a gym in L.A. and then be fit for Wales. Like, I mean, that's what he's here to do. He's not here to play. He's coming, he's coming to hang out at Top Golf in El Segundo. Let's be real. And then, I mean, Kiwini, did you guys watch that Argentina Italy game? Because, uh, whew, I, uh, I, mm, that that'll. Kevin Cabral is going to have a lot of fun with that one. Oh man. But okay. uh, and like, and look, they're, they're not even eligible until the day before the, the, we play at the bank. So it's not like they're going to be, you know, 
in full form with this team. So go, cool. Put them in. They're not slot on. They're not coming on and scoring from uh, 80 yards out. They're not slot on. Right. But, right, but I my concern is the galaxy. Okay. And it, but my, yes, but my feeling is just like, look, the way the galaxy are playing right now, I, you know, first of all, yeah, I'm tired of them just stepping up for LAFC. Obviously want to keep beating that team, um, you know, but they are in first place still. And, and it's just like, we can't keep uh, sitting on our own old silverware, our own history. And then just, we're, we're, we're better than this. We're better than, oh yeah, just keep beating LAFC. Come on now. I agree. And I, I think last night, and I, I, I went in kind of a Twitter meltdown where I said, I, I just kept tweeting out about it. Uh, Klein out, Klein out, Klein out. This podcast has not been shy about our opinion of Chris Klein. I think, I think that goes without saying. Now we have to talk about the moment. We have to talk about that red card because my soul will not be satisfied until I do. I, the state- Which red card would you like to talk about? Uh, Douglas Costa earned his. Um, <laughs> what I will say is this, and I, I delivered a rant on this podcast in 2018 in a game against Colorado. Shinyashiki puts his head in on a player and it's considered a red because he, because of dangerous play. This is kind of a very similar situation. And to which I say, laws of the game state, you know, like dangerous play, intent, et cetera. There is no clear intent from Kevin Cabral that he wants to hurt, you know, the goalkeeper, Dane St. Clair. If he wanted to hurt him, leave your foot on the ground, man. I mean, that's like what he would have done. But no, he's clearly trying to get out of the way. It's, it's a player that's stuck in two minds here where he's literally running at full speed. He realizes that he can't stop in time slows down just that little bit and then tries to jump. Like, what is he supposed to do? More box jumps in the gym? I don't know what you're asking out of him. It's literally fucking ridiculous that every single week, every single week, we've been talking about this since 2018. We literally hire in the best referees from Europe to advise our referees that we have these incidents every freaking week. And it's, I don't know what to do about it. And honestly, the one thing, MLS is a top tier league. It can be, it has the potential. I mean, we have such exciting players from South America. The best of the best are trying to come here. What is the one thing that non-negotiably is holding back MLS every week? It is the refereeing. No other league in the world I ever can see or deal with has these same problems. And I mean, we talk about the Premier League. We talk about La Liga. They have a refereeing, like two retro refereeing controversies a year. We have them every week. And it's not just one. It's not just two. It's four, five, six, seven. And what does pro do? Look at the comment that uh, when Josh Gessman, uh, a corner of the galaxy, asked the referee yesterday. He literally just said it was intent. That's it. He did not go into detail to explain what he saw, what he thought, or anything. And so all of us don't know what the heck's going on. Then we talk about the standard of refereeing after that. We could point to the incident where it's Michael Boxall goes studs up literally into a player's ankle, and he literally gets nothing but a yellow card. That's dangerous play. That could injure Araujo. That's a red card. You know, Raheem Edwards on that amazing run in the second half gets scythed down cynical foul yellow card like that's what i've always been told just a verbal talking to they mentioned point of emphasis and i think this is a very fascinating point a very important point because mls has said they want to be very careful about head injuries because they don't want to be held in front of the senate for a special select committee about cte i get it fine here's the thing point of emphasis also included professional fouls so then by that definition you know will trap has to get a yellow because that's a professional foul According to the points of emphasis, that's an automatic yellow now in the, in, in the year of our Lord 2022. What are like, what is going on here? You know, like 
Ted Uncle continues to turn in these performances where it's just, it fascinates the mind what he calls. And, and at some point, MLS has to step in and say, look, we are aware that our product is inferior because of the refereeing in this league. We need to do something about it. Everyone needs to get, like, you know, it's, 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 it boggles the mind because, you know, the laws of the game, you know, and, and as a law student, I totally understand the whole entire concept of interpretation and, and, you know, laws are interpreted different by different people. It's what makes refereeing so interesting and fascinating. It's what makes our sport so interesting and fascinating, that there are humans involved in real-time adjudication at high speed, but come on. I mean, what is Kevin Cabral supposed to do in that moment? What is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to just hit the guy? Like, that's not and, and also they didn't even go to VAR for it. Like, because, what is that about? Because Ted Uncle ruled that it was intent. There's no clear intent there. You can't, it, it, it boggles my mind. Well, it, then it, Bond also came out and said that he didn't even know about this law. <laughs> and, and the fact of the matter that you conveyed that red card in such a way that even the head coaching staff of the team that you were conveying the red card to didn't know until Kevin Cabral was walking down the tunnel. Are you kidding me? Like, just, it, it was utterly shambolic at every level. And I mean, it, it deserves to be talked about. And I think, I, I hope, I pray the Galaxy Lodge a complaint about that red card because it deserves to be overturned. That was just ridiculous. I hate to uh, make you more angry, um, but how, how pissed are you going to be when uh, Ted Uncle is our representation at the World Cup? Because, you know, as bad as Chapman always was, he was the one who went last time. Like, it, they, they picked the worst of the worst for us. To, Jamie, to we only have a few minutes left. You I really miss, dropped that bomb. <laughs> I, mi I miss Geiger is what I'll say. Um, no, I... <laughs> And Ted Uncle is going to prevent any American referee from going to a World Cup ever again. That's what I'll say about that. And that 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 ends my piece. Hey, they still could, they still let Chapman go. I don't know, man. Well, you know, the Galaxy will be fine without Costa and Cabral, to be honest with you. Um, and by fine, I mean, you know how they are. <laughs> um, I mean, but... the, only, the only concern is that you just eliminated two wingers from a game. Yeah, I, whether or not either of them ever produce anything, that's just two extra bodies that you don't have that play the same position, essentially. And yeah. uh, it's really going to test formation and depth. And, and I don't know, who cares? This team's fucked anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, um, ready for the doom and gloom. But of course, it's the hope that stays alive. And it's it'll probably be the hope that kills us. <laughs> All of us were about to say that exact same line. <laughs> so thank you again for keeping it here. Um, we'll get you next week. Go Galaxy. Talk to you soon. Fuck Ted, uncle. <laughs>